G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I'd had a big argument with my dad when I walked away from the river cruise business because he was so proud of me doing that and he thought I'd lost my mind doing this volunteer work for Christian Radio. And he said, "You're gonna, the, the church is going to use you and you're going to lose everything. Warren Rout and a couple of the other directors, they handed me an envelope and in it was a cheque for the exact amount of money that we right. owed the council. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Now, did you ever wonder how Vision Christian Media got its start and about the people who were involved? Well, today you're going to get some insights as the current CEO of Vision, Phil Edwards, has a chat with the first CEO, Ian Warby, who played a large role in the beginning of Vision. As we'll hear today, Ian's life has taken some unexpected twists and turns. At his lowest point, he was caught stealing, and at one of his highest points, he was the captain of a ship. How does it all fit together? We'll find out as Ian shares his story. I would often quip that I'm a broken down ship's captain, uh, redeemed by grace and uh, repurposed to be able to be used of God with a great, wonderful team of people to tell the world the good news about Jesus. Uh, I'm also a husband. Now a grandfather. I was originally born in Sydney um, in 1960. Um, our family moved to Tamworth, so I grew up in Tamworth, um, country music capital of Australia. I went to an agricultural uh, high school, uh, Farrah, and I thought I was going to be an agronomist okay. growing up. My grandfather was an aviation pioneer. Uh, he was managing director for Ansett Airways. He pioneered... East West Airlines. Okay. Yeah, we've gone back a few years there. He bought in the very first aerial crop dusting uh, business, Air Farm Associates, the first in the Southern Hemisphere. So I had a fascination about aircraft and I wanted to be a pilot, but my grandfather passed away when I was only 14. But I do have a strong memory of him attending my baptism. So I didn't become a pilot. I became a ship's captain. Uh, I moved across from Tamworth to Port Macquarie uh, when I was about 18, after my parents had divorced. I was very much involved in our church in Tamworth. I, I, I went to a fairly conservative evangelical church, the Churches of Christ in uh, Tamworth, very active uh, in the Sunday school and the youth group. Um, one of my heroes at the time was Shane Gould, not the swimmer, Okay. Um, right. But he was a, a youth leader. He used to work at the uh, the rural bank and you could play guitar. And so I wanted to learn how to play guitar and sing songs like, <laughs> like Shane would. My parents went through uh, a difficult time and ultimately became divorced. And I remember at the time the people at the church would encourage me and say, look, just, just keep on trusting God, believe God, and uh, it'll all work out okay and your mum and dad will be fine and so on. And then when they... They finally announced that they were going to get divorced. Uh, I really had a, 
a crisis of faith. I thought, mm. God, you, you promised. So how old were you at the time? I was about 16, 17. Okay. Uh, Diffi- it, difficult time to yeah. start with. Well, it was so distressing I couldn't even finish uh, high school. Right. I, I dropped out of high school. Uh, the principal at the school tried to convince me, but I, I, I had to go and see a doctor. I was on antidepressants, uh, um, which were quite addictive. I think they were called Serapax, and uh, it was really hard. I moved out of home. I, I, uh, I moved in with some friends at, at the church, and then I, I fell away from God. I was quite rebellious. I, I hung out with some, some larrikins. Uh, the main street of Tamworth um, was called Peel Street, and there used to be this idea of they would call it chucking a peely. You'd get in the car and you go <laughs> cruising up and down, yep. uh, hanging out the window, uh, yep. looking for trouble. Like Normie. Yeah, like Normie. That's right. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what got, what got into us, but uh, after midnight one night, we pulled over and uh, we lifted some gear out of a tradies car, an esky and a radio or something. We got caught by the police. So I was in the in the police uh, station in detention, and they tried to contact my my father, um, and he didn't want to come and see me. Uh, so my pastor came down, and so the next day at the uh, I guess the hearing with the judge, uh, my pastor told the judge that I'd come from a, a broken home, um, and so the judge said, "Okay," he said, "Ordinarily, I'd send you off to boys' home." He said, but your pastor's spoken on your behalf, and so I'm going to give you a choice. You can either go to boys' home or the pastor's talked about you going to a youth camp up in Queensland at a place called Mount Tachikoi. Uh, what do you want to do? So it was a bit of a no-brainer. So <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, I'll, I'll do the youth camp. Yeah. So they stuck me on a, on a minibus, and I remember coming up through Cunningham Scap and going all the way up past the big pineapple and the big cow up to a place near Gympie called Mount Tachikoi. And there I was introduced to this wild evangelist who came from the Northern Territory who used to wrangle buffaloes. He was like a Christian crocodile Dundee at the time. So there I am in Queensland at Mount Tachikoi, and here's this wild man of God, Clark Taylor. Ah. Just unbelievable guy. Someone once described him as like God's volcano. (laughs) And he'd rented a, a, a circus tent, and there was literally over a thousand young people in this camp, and my eyes were like saucers because I'd never been to a old-time Pentecostal revival meeting. Mm. So I was seeing some stuff that I'd never seen in my church before. So this would have been around what nineteen seventy-six, seventy-seven. Uh, yes, yeah, seventy-eight, something like 78, that. Seventy-eight, yeah, yep, right? Yep. And uh, so you know. He said, if, if you really want to get a touch from God, then come out the front. So I went out the front, partly because I was intrigued to see what was going on and partly because there were some good-looking girls that were <laughs> as well and I wanted to be part of the, the, yeah. the in crowd. Yeah, you're probably not yeah. the only uh, young male who's uh, been motivated yeah. that way. So I went out and I, and I really did feel uh, a touch from God and uh, the guy would pray for people and you, you sort of – end up waking up, uh, lying on the ground and thinking, wow, what was all that about? And I remember going back to my very conservative Church of Christ and uh, they said, so how was it? Hmm. They said, oh, I I shared how it was. I said, well, well, further to that, let me show you. And so I got some of the other youth that I was with and we 
we sang a song, The Horse and Rider is Thrown into oh, yes. the Sea, yeah. with all the actions. And, I will sing it to yeah, the Lord. And yeah. clapping and dancing on the stage. Well, the pastor said, oh, <laughs> that was getting a bit too radical for them. So we were sort of you know, hustled off the side there and so on. And, and then later on, uh, as this whole, uh, I guess, new movement, this, this idea of this, um, this move of the Spirit took place not only uh, in other churches around Australia, but it, there in Tamworth. Uh, again, it was very disruptive. Our church went through a, a, a church split over whether or not the gifts of the Holy Spirit were still relevant for today or whether they'd ceased and so on. And that was really hard because uh, there were people at our church that I'd known all my, my life as a young child, so much so we would call them uncle and auntie. Mm. And back in those days, every Saturday morning in a country town, uh, you'd go playing sport. I, I used to play hockey. And then afterwards, everyone would go and do the, the weekly shop. And then you'd- You'd bump into everybody. You'd bump into yep. people down the street and go on. Yep. Uh, you know, there was no McDonald's or anything like that. You'd go to the local cafe and have a milkshake or a hamburger there. And some of these folk that we loved dearly, because they didn't hold to the beliefs that uh, our family and others did, they crossed the street and didn't want to talk to us. And I was really at a loss to understand how all that was going to happen. And then during that period of time, my mother decided that was all too much, so she was going to move to Port Macquarie. Port Macquarie was the place we always went every Christmas for holidays because mm. it was only a three-hour drive over the mountains. Beautiful spot. Um, I decided I was going to move down to Sydney and I got a job working at a camera shop. So I had an interest in photography, so I worked there for a couple of years. Um, and one of my jobs was to edit um, Super 8 movies that people would come in and they'd buy uh, a movie camera and, mm -hmm. and they'd take home movies. Unfortunately, sometimes people would use them for less than savoury purposes. <laughs> And I actually was asked to edit some home blue movies, shall we say, and I just couldn't do it. So I had to – I said, I'm sorry, this is terrible. Um, I really got stressed out about it. So I tended my resignation and I said, I'm going to jump in a car and I will drive up to Port Macquarie and see what my mum's up to. So I drove up to Port Macquarie where my mother, my younger sister, Susan – and my youngest brother, Stuart, were living. And I found out that my mum was no longer going to the Church of Christ. She was going to this fellowship that was meeting at what was Marbuck Park, a reptile park. Right. So they were meeting in a snake pit. <laughs> and the pastor would preach from a pulpit that was made from a tree stump. And he was a retired dairy inspector from Gloucester. And this was called Christian Outreach Centre, or COC, uh, which was part of Clark Taylor's movement. Interesting. And I got involved because I loved music and I would play guitar. And so I was asked if I would come and uh, sing a few items at the church. So I used to sing Barry Maguire songs. And there in the choir was this delightful young thing, Mandy. You're listening to The Story. 
Today, current CEO of Vision Christian Media, Phil Edwards, is chatting with the very first CEO of Vision, Ian Warby, who's sharing his life story. Ian just shared how he met a young lady named Mandy. Next, we're going to find out the significant role she plays in his life and about the beginnings of Vision. All that and more when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Phil Edwards chatting with Ian Warby, who's sharing his life story and the role he played at the beginning of Vision Christian Media. Ian was the first CEO of Vision, and these days he's heading up the Asia-Pacific branch of United Christian Broadcasters, working with a variety of cultures and ethnic groups in this region. Now, before the break, Ian was sharing how he met a young lady named Mandy. Next, we're going to hear the significant role she's played in his life. How old were you at this point when you saw this, as you said, lovely young thing who was involved in the church there at Port Macquarie? I was uh, about 22, nearly 23. 23. And uh, yeah. she caught your attention. Her name was Mandy. Yes. So Mandy and I uh, would do music practice together. Uh, I'd go and visit her at her home with her mother. Yep. And... Um, They'd offer me coffee, and I I didn't drink coffee, but I did because you know it was the the social thing to do. Yep. It was only afterwards they found out that I was more into tea or Milo. Anyway, one thing led to another. We we got hitched in 1984, March of 1984, uh, and Mandy got a job working for a husband and wife that ran Port Macquarie River uh, Services, so a cruise uh, operation uh, in the tourist industry. And they had a boat called the Caloranda, which could carry 120 passengers. And then I was asked to come down and do some uh, work on the Caloranda, doing some uh, technical work. And then the owner told me, I'm building a new boat and I'd like you to design a sound system because I I had always had an interest in electronics uh, and I was working in Port Macquarie at the local Tandy and Dick Smith store. And so... uh, Jim and Betty Goldring, who built uh, this very beautiful uh, river cruise uh, that was built in Belimba, Brisbane, and then taken down to Port Macquarie. Uh, it was launched in 1988, could carry 257 passengers. And so I built the sound system, and then he said, well, you better stay on, on and uh, keep everything going. So I became a deckhand, and then a couple of years later, they said, we're going to sell the business but the new owner wants you and Mandy to stay on, you, you as the captain and as the manager and Mandy as the catering manager. So she would cater for all the luncheons, the weddings, the barbecue cruises and everything. So uh, she would be the, the galley slave down doing all the hard work. And I was up in my lovely white P&O uniform with the, the, the bars on my epaulets and all the passengers would get off at the end of the day and they would thank me for a wonderful day out and Mandy's feeling very, um, uh, you know, not really appreciated. So it was a, a real labour of love for her to continue uh, working there. I thought I had the best job in the world. I, I could go out and spin yarns to the tourists. We chased the Pacific bottlenose dolphins. Port Macquarie is a beautiful place on the Hastings River. Talk about the history. 
and, and all of that. And during this period of time, we were also equally very active in our church. Mandy was in the worship team. I used to mix the audio mm-hmm. at the back of the church. And one day someone came up to me and said, oh, Ian, you should have been at a meeting we had last week. Uh, we know that you have some understanding about radio because you've got a radio operator certificate for your maritime purposes. Would you be able to build for us an FM antenna? And I went, what's this about? They said, we had a visit from people from New Zealand who told us how uh, they have Christian radio in New Zealand and we could have it here. So I went along to a meeting to find all about it. I don't know what I did. I must have drawn the short straw because I came out of that meeting as the president of Mid-North Coast Christian Broadcasters <laughs> uh, trading as Rima FM on the on the on the coast there. And so we started a radio station. This is a community radio station. Community radio station. In in Port Macquarie. Yeah, and I built the studios, and then later on we went from cassettes and records to CDs and then to computers. And then during this period of time, I was introduced to the leadership of United Christian Broadcasters, uh, Warren Rout, who was the head of UCB operating out of Canberra, and Hal Short, the international president, from New Zealand, and so I, I became a, a director of the board of UCB Australia. I also met another chappie who was an ex-bank manager, John Marks from Newcastle, and so we did our first test broadcast actually out of the Newcastle studios, and uh, by telephone line, the signal came from the studios in, in Newcastle up to uh, Red Hill outside of Port Macquarie, uh, where my father and I helped put up the first wind-up uh, mast and we did a test broadcast. I remember I came home with tears streaming down my f- my face as I was thinking about the Word of God going out through the airwaves and the, and the praise and the worship and the songs that were going out and people could tune in no matter where they were, in their homes, in their cars, on the tractors, on the fishing boats. And I just got this epiphany that God could use this thing called radio to reach people where they're at. And that's where this dream, and I thought, well, we're doing okay putting on these Christian community stations, but but what about the rest of the country? Mm. And one morning I was doing the breakfast show. I used to do the brekkie show, and then we'd race down to the jetty to take the passengers out for the 10 o'clock cruise. We'd get in at 3 in the afternoon, and we'd pick up the kids from school. I got a phone call from Hal Short. Well, how short was large in life? In my mind, there was God, and then there was how short. <laughs> uh, he 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 just done amazing things, and he rings me and he said, "How are you doing?" And I said, "Oh, I'm doing great. Everything's fine. We just uh, won our permanent license after a seven year battle with the government, and we just convinced the local council to give us a 99 year uh, lease on some land, and we we're going to build this debt free uh, studio and office called Rima House." Uh, and Mandy and I designed the, the building, but we hadn't actually built it yet. And he rings me and says, I've been talking with the rest of the board, and we believe that God's got his hand on you and Mandy, and would you be willing to move to Brisbane to head up United Christian Broadcasters Australia? We're going to launch a nationwide radio network. So this would have been about 1998, yep. thereabouts? 99. Yeah. 99. Yeah. Yeah. 1999. So... And of course, that was uh, the the start of uh, 
your journey with Vision. It really was. Uh, of course, United Christian Broadcasters Australia is Vision. Yeah. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, Ian, where I think you would describe yourself as an unlikely person to have uh, been on the journey that you have, uh, originally thinking you were going to be an, an agronomist, going to an agricultural high school, uh, and perhaps in aviation, ending up as a ship's captain, and then ending up almost accidentally in community radio, and then heading up this national media ministry with uh, a big vision and not a lot else, not a lot of money, not a lot of uh, people, but just a call from God and a big vision uh, to, to start something. And this was back in the, the late 90s, or at least to start something new because there were already things happening, but what we know today as Vision Radio hadn't actually really got going at that point. Yeah, that's true. So after I got the invitation to relocate to Brisbane, I said, well, if God wants us to move to Brisbane, he's going to have to do a miracle because at that time was there was a, a global financial situation where no one could sell their home. Uh, the, the, the economy was shot. It was flat. It was absolutely flat. We just moved into a, a brand new home. As I said, I thought I had the best job in the world, but I, I had this new burning passion to see what God could do through this thing called Christian Radio. Well, a couple of days after that phone call, there's a knock at the door and Nick Fazolari from Rain and Horn Real Estate said, Ian Amina, I'm sorry to disturb you, but there's this couple in the car out the front, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Duck. Uh, they, they're getting married and they really like your cute little cottage and they want to make an offer. You know, Are you willing to sell? And I remember going, am I on candid camera? Because <laughs> it was almost like I said, if God wants us to go into this new role, he's going to have to sell a home. And I, we never advertised. There's a knock at the door. I said, yeah, okay, um, can you give us a few days so we can straighten up the place and then they can come and have a look? So we rallied all our friends and we spruced up the place and mowed the lawn and washed the walls and everything. And they came in and I looked around and they said, yep, we love it. They made an offer and I said, oh, it's just a little bit low what we want. They came back and they made another offer and I said, okay, done deal. I tended my resignation. I was working part-time for Dick Smith and the other part was doing the volunteer work uh, at the radio station and we started the, the process of moving and we came up here and then the whole deal fell through and I thought God had tricked us. Uh, they found that there was something wrong with the foundation of our home. The people pulled out. Uh, we had people that rented our property. For a couple of years, some of them, they didn't even pay the rent. Mm, wow. And it was God was teaching us something. At the time, I didn't see it. And I remember one time I got an invitation to go down to Sydney to speak at a UCB international conference out of the Blue Mountains. So I went down there and I was really feeling nervous. I, I rang Mandy to say, I'm up next, will you pray for me? And I detected that there was something not quite right with me. And I said, what's wrong? She burst into tears. She said, I wasn't going to tell you, but while you were away, we had a visit from the sheriff's office because we haven't paid our rates uh, because we've been living by faith doing this radio work as a volunteer and we're behind in the rates and they said if we don't pay uh, this amount they're going to sell our home and I remember what my dad I would had a big argument with my dad when I walked away from the river cruise business because he was so proud of me doing that and he thought I'd lost my mind doing this volunteer work for Christian radio and he said you're going to the, the church is going to use you and you're going to lose everything so I just said okay let's sort this out when we get home after I shared um, my story, I was heading back from Sydney back to Port Macquarie and I stopped at uh, a McDonald's to get a thick shake 
uh, and get ready to go. And while I was there, Warren Rout and a couple of the other directors said, oh, Ian, we looked for you and you were gone. I'm glad that you pulled in here. We've got something for you. They handed me an envelope. I got in the car and then I opened it and in it was a check for the exact amount of money that we oh. owed the council. Amazing. So I thought, how can I how can I surprise Mandy? So Mandy used to love um, uh, a certain brand of chocolate. So I bought a chocolate, wrapped up the check, and I slipped it in the in the wrapper. And when I got home, it was nearly midnight. The kids were all asleep, and I said, "I know you're down, and we're all stressed about this, but I bought you something to cheer you up." She opened it up, and the check fell in her lap, and we both cried together and just gave God thanks. And I said, "Let's give God." Uh, praise for this. So when I went in the next day to, to pay the amount, I, I went in and I said, I, I kind of rehearsed what I was going to say. I said to the lady at the counter, because Port Macquarie was a small town, everybody knew everybody. I said, look, I'm really sorry we got behind in the rates, but you know that um, you know, I'm doing this Christian radio thing and we're doing it by faith. And um, anyway, here's the money. God's provided us the money. you know. And she tapping away on the computer and putting our details in and she's looking a bit weird and she goes to another terminal and then another lady sticks her head out. She said, is that 10 Windara Place? She said, yeah. She said, no, it's already been paid for. I'm going, no, I'm here paying for it now. She said, no, this this guy came in a couple of days ago and he paid the whole amount and he paid for, for next year's rates as well. Oh, my goodness. And I said- oh. Who is it? They said, we don't know. We've never seen him before. And I said to Mandy, who did you tell? She said, I never told anyone. I was so embarrassed. And so we had a miracle. To this day, we don't know who it was that came in and paid. And then another time we got a car and a whole bunch of other things. So by the time we finally moved up here, God had shown me that he believes in Christian radio for every Australian. And so we stepped out in faith and we started to just share the vision of what could it be like if you could drive into any town, not just to the big cities, but to the small outback towns. And the question would be is not, is there a Christian radio station here that we can listen to, but what's the frequency? And that was the vision. That's in part how vision got its name. It was also based on, I guess, my life verse at the time, Habakkuk 2.2, write the vision down, make it plain, and run with it. And though it tarries, though it takes a while, wait for it for it will surely come. It will not delay. And so that was our verse, and we just saw miracle after miracle as we saw this idea, this crazy, hairy, audacious idea of having a national Christian uh, radio station come into fruition. And here we are, these years later, uh, past 700 stations and another 100 on the drawing board. So it's amazing what God's done. Yep, and there's a big future ahead. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And we just continue to grow. And uh, you've, uh, in your faithfulness and Mandy's in stepping out, you know, I think God's really blessed that. So great to hear your story, Ian. That was Phil Edwards, the current CEO of Vision Christian Media, chatting with the first CEO of Vision, Ian Warby. It was great to hear his life story and about the beginning of Vision. A lot of that I've never heard before, so I was really interested to see how God worked in different people's lives to bring it all together. And as we mentioned earlier, Ian is currently heading up the Asia-Pacific branch of United Christian Broadcasters, or UCB, working with a variety of different cultures and ethnic groups in this region. So he continues to be part of UCB, which originally started in New Zealand and then expanded to Australia in the late 1980s and then eventually became known as Vision Christian Media. To learn more about Vision's history, you can visit our website, vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au. 
www.ian.org.au. Well, before we end today, we'll leave you with Ian's life verse that he shared earlier. It's Habakkuk 2 verse 2. Write this vision down, make it plain and run with it. And though it takes a while, wait for it, for it will surely come. It will not delay. Well, thanks for joining us for Ian Warby's story and a bit of the story behind Vision Christian Media. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Well, I was going off to a remote island that had no water, had no electricity. I was just going to work in the community. I felt at that stage that there was things that I would be able to do for them, which after my trip, I found out that they did more for me than what I could ever do for them in a lifetime and certainly lost my heart to the Vanuatu people. Several years ago, Vicky Marnie took leave from her corporate job and ventured on her first mission trip. God worked in her powerfully. Today, she continues to minister in Vanuatu and helps raise awareness of their needs around the world. We'll hear Vicky's story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.